Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. For more information, visit www.magnoliasfirst.org. I want to welcome all of you in our M1 online congregation, members, attenders, friends, uh, not only here in our community, but in places uh, outside the Magnolia area. Wherever you are, we are glad that you are tuning in this 4th of July weekend, and I trust and pray that you've had a wonderful holiday weekend. Uh, As many of you know, Last week, we made the decision to go back to online-only services. We were watching the numbers surge of the coronavirus, and we also heard from several other churches that had had outbreaks in their congregation, and we do not want that to happen at Magnolia's First. And so, for the foreseeable future, we will be online-only. We will watch the numbers closely, And uh, we will continue to be in consultation with our deacon body as they gave us wise counsel this week in their regular monthly meeting that for now, we will be online only. But I want to assure you of something, church. Uh, We are the church. The church is not the building. It is the people of God. We are the church. And the scripture says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So I want you to be assured, uh, we will not just get through this, we will come through this victorious, and we will be meeting together again, and we will relish the fellowship in person when that time comes, when it is safe that we can gather uh, without restrictions or precautions, we will be able to celebrate God's goodness at allowing us to do that once again. So I encourage you, uh, be patient, be prayerful, and continue to worship with us online each and every week. Each year in America, there are about 2,300 heart transplant surgeries. And in each case, the patient with the diseased heart has that heart disengaged from their body and removed, and a new heart, a healthy heart, is sown in its place. And for that patient with a successful heart transplant, it means new life. Well, even more important than one with terminal heart disease to receive a new heart physically is the need for every one of us to have a new heart spiritually. And that's what we're going to talk about today as we conclude our series, Matters of the Heart. All the way back at week one, our big idea was he wants to give us a new heart. And we're going to talk about what that means today. And throughout the series, we have been saying that we understand when we talk about the heart as it is referred to in Scripture, we're not talking about this cardiovascular muscle that pumps blood through our body, as important as that is. But when the Scripture talks about the heart, it's talking about the part of us that controls our mind and our will and our emotions, and our values, the very most important parts of us. 
the part that make up our very life and our eternal soul. And it is that heart that Christ wants to transform and give us a heart like his. Our journey as a Christ follower begins when we give him our heart. Here is how Paul described it in Romans 10, 9 and 10. He said, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And verse 10 says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. This is where you start. And I want to say to anyone who is watching that if you have never done that, or if you're not certain if you have, have done that, or if you're not sure what that means, or you just like to dialogue, I would love to engage in a dialogue with you. I promise you, uh, you will not be coerced or, or in any way pressured, but I'd love to talk with you about that. So email me at edc at magnoliasfirst.org, and I would delight in engaging with you in a conversation about what it means to give Jesus your heart. For when you believe with your heart and you openly declare your faith and allegiance to him through believer's baptism, you have begun a journey as a Christ follower. And our journey of following Christ is a lifelong process of heart transformation. I love the way the Apostle Paul described it to the church in Philippi. In Philippians 1, verses 9 and 10, Paul said to those early Christ followers, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Christ becomes our Savior, our Lord, our Master, and following Him becomes our glorious obsession. It becomes the central focus of our life. And so our big idea for today is to give Christ our heart means that we are holding nothing back. We are holding nothing back. Having the heart of Christ, having that new heart, involves some very deeply personal things within us. Things that Christ transforms through the ministry of his Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want you to take a journey through Scripture with me. And I want us to see how in the Word of God, it describes that new heart and what it changes in us. First of all, it changes our mind. 
it changes our mind. Again, the apostle Paul describes it this time to the church in Rome, Romans 12, 1 and 2. These are two of my life verses. We've read them many times here at Magnolia's First, Romans 12, 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Look, by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. When you get a new heart, your faith becomes the filter through which you view life. Uh, You view and evaluate everything through the grid, through the filter of your faith in Jesus Christ. You view your politics through the grid of your faith. Not your faith through the grid of your politics, but your politics through the grid of your faith so that it shapes and molds that which you believe about our country and what we should be and what we should do through the truth of the Word of God. It, it changes your relationships When you are young, it helps you to decide what relationships you should be involved with and what relationships you should not be involved with, both in a friendship and in a romantic relationship. And then throughout your life as a growing adult follower of Christ, it helps you to know how to relate to others. It helps you to know what to to do when you face decisions in your life. You do what you perceive to be the will of God. It helps you to establish your financial priorities and the priorities of your time. It helps you to determine and to know what your plans for the future should be. And on and on, it changes the way you think. When you are transformed by the Holy Spirit, when you begin to have the heart of Christ, Paul said in that verse, you will learn to know God's will for you. We begin to think of things with this perspective. How would Christ see this? What would he have me to do in this? And no longer is it my opinion or my idea or my thoughts. It instead becomes his heart and his will. And not only does he transform our mind, then he transforms our will. In the book of Philippians, again, chapter 2, the end of verse 12, Paul says to them, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. 
He changes your will. Instead of what do I want to do, it becomes what would he have me to do? What would be his desire for me? One who has a new heart does not make Christ-honoring decisions out of obligation or duty or a sense of I ought to. Instead, the motivation is out of love, out of love for Christ because we know how much he loves us. Not because we're expected to, but because we are overwhelmed with his great love for us. And that love births in us an unextinguishable gratitude that propels us into a life of pleasing Christ. We find our delight in doing what pleases him. Paul says that we obey God with deep reverence and fear. And fear there does not mean we're afraid of God. It means that we hold him in awe, that we are so in awe of him and so deeply in love with him that we want to please him, that we find our delight in bringing him joy and we have great fear that we could bring him pain. A new heart brings new desires. It brings new priorities. I heard a pastor say years ago, he changes your want to. He takes away the selfish self, and he puts instead within us a heart to do what reveals Christ to others. A new heart changes our will, and it also changes our emotions. Jesus said that when we get a new heart, it changes the way we feel about others. In Luke's gospel, chapter 6, beginning with verse 27, Jesus says some of the most amazing words in the New Testament, and he says it to those who follow him who are seeking to have his heart. Luke 6, 27 Jesus said, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer him your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's been dubbed the golden rule. It's the simplest, most common sense principle of life, and yet so few people live in that way. Verse 32, if you only love those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. And Jesus says again in verse 35, love 
your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. I don't need to tell you that we live in a society that is filled with selfishness and greed and anger and bigotry. And like Jesus, we must love those who do not love us. For Jesus even loved those who nailed him to the cross. The heart of Jesus is a heart of compassion. And when we respond to the situations and circumstances of life with anger and bitterness and cynicism and resentment, that's our old nature. That's our old heart, the heart that Jesus came to redeem and to transform. The new heart that Christ gives does not see sinners as the Pharisees did, but as Christ did. And we are to live that way, not out of obligation, but because of who we have become. Paul says it so well in Galatians 2.20, that famous verse where he says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When the old nature is crucified, when we have a new heart, the heart that Christ gives, it shapes and rules not only our emotions, but also our values, our values. Scripture becomes, with that new heart, the singular standard for us to know what is right, what is true, what is wrong, what is false. And in the longest chapter of the Bible, in one of the richest Psalms, Psalm 119, we hear from the heart of the psalmist. I want you to just hear as if you are listening to the psalmist as he speaks of his love for the truth of God. Psalm 119, beginning with verse 97. He says, oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Now, these are not words of, of somebody that is just trying to fulfill their obligation, trying to do their duty, trying to, to check off a list so they'll make sure that they don't make God upset. No, these are the words of someone who has fallen in love with the truth of God and with the God of truth, whose heart is in unity with him. He goes on, verse 99. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I'm always thinking of your laws. 
I'm even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations, for you have taught me well. He's not saying, hey, I've walked a line. I've done my duty. Now, what's in it for me? What's the payback for me? No. He speaks with a heart that delights in the truth of God. Verse 103, how sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. And then that famous verse, verse 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Oh, think of those words. We live, brothers and sisters, in a world filled with darkness, a world in which people are stumbling and don't even know it. And the psalmist says, oh God, in this dark world, your word is my light. It guides my path. It's truth. It shows me the way. And he speaks of the commitment of his heart, beginning in 106. I've promised it once, and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. I've suffered much, O Lord. Restore my life again, as you promised. He's, he's not saying that to walk in the truth of God means you won't have trouble, you won't have struggle, you won't have difficulty, not at all. But he says, Lord, though my life has seen difficulties and trials, your truth, O God, has kept me centered and on the straight way. Verse 108, Lord, accept my offering of praise and teach me your regulations. My life constantly hangs in the balance, but I will not stop obeying your instructions. The wicked have set their traps for me, but I will not turn from your commandments. Like the psalmist, we live in a world filled with danger, filled with difficulty, but there is security in his truth. And in verse 111, he says, your laws are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. I am determined to keep your decrees to the very end. Do you hear the love of the psalmist for the truth of God? When you have that new heart, you fall in love with God's truth. You are not swayed with the winds of compromise and confusion, but your heart loves the truth of the Lord. It says, O Lord, your truth will be my guide all the way to the end of my journey here on earth, and it will orient me to eternal life. We cannot do this living with a heart that is not transformed 
We cannot live this way if we are constantly yielding to the old nature, the sinful self, the old heart, but instead we must let him transform us from the inside out to be constantly renewed. And yes, we will have failures. We will sin. But as David wrote, after a season of sin and failure, in Psalm 51.10, we are to pray, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. May that be, fellow Christ followers, the cry of our hearts. And I want to leave you today with two next steps. And they do not speak of external actions. They speak of our heart. First, today, this very day, remind yourself that the Lord desires to have the love and loyalty of your heart more than anything else you could give him. He does not want uh, your actions that flow from a sense of obligation or duty. He wants your heart. Because if our hearts don't belong to him, anything we do is just religious noise. And secondly, from this time forward, daily, every day, ask the Lord to change your heart to be more like his, to love what he loves, to care as he cares, to love and walk in his truth, to surrender your whole heart to him. Because, my believing friends, to give Christ our heart means that we're holding nothing back. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray that each of us would give you our whole hearts. Lord, when we do that, when we allow you to transplant your heart into the place where our sinful, wicked heart once was, then everything else in our journey will fall into place. We will not walk perfectly, but we will walk faithfully because our heart will be seeking after you. Lord, I pray for anyone who has heard this message today and their heart has grown cold toward you. They have allowed the things of this world, the worries and the cares and the, the distractions of this world to cause their heart to stray. Lord, I pray that they would pray that prayer that King David prayed Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Lord, may they come back to the loyalty that they once pledged to you when they first gave their heart to you. Help us to be faithful. Help us to walk in the ways that would reveal Jesus to those around us and bring him glory. In his name we pray, amen.